Hey there, badass. Welcome to the Leading Rebels podcast, your bi-weekly dose of inspiring advice dish up by kick-ass female leaders. I'm your host, Kat Brindell, and this is episode one, an interview with Letha Matz, CEO of fintech startup Zuber. Listen on for tips on how to embrace conflict, overcome big, expensive, embarrassing decisions, successfully lead a remote team, and so much more. I can't tell you how excited I am to welcome you to the very first episode of the Leading Rebels podcast. <laughs> to kick us off, I sat down with Letha Matz, who has nearly 20 years of experience in leading e-commerce, IT, and integrated marketing groups. Letha has built business divisions and solved complex problems for companies ranging from FedEx to Fresh Direct. She also volunteers as a startup advisor and judge with the eBay Startup Club, and as a mentor for the Texas Metro Startup Accelerator. So you can relax and just soak it all up. I've summarized all key takeaways and action points on the Leading Rebels blog. Just head on over to leadingrebels.com slash one after the episode for your leadership cheat sheet. Now let's dive in. Great. Well, thanks, Lita, for meeting with me and uh, talking with me about kind of your history. So I would love to kind of jump in with a little bit of a background about you, a little bio, so to say. Absolutely. Uh, so I grew up in the United States. I um, moved to Germany three years ago, and I'm now doing uh, work with startups here. But uh, prior to that, I was in New York for uh, 13 years, uh, working with a startup there, which is now a, a company, a profitable company. And uh, I kind of got into the web accidentally uh, because it was just the right time and place uh, to do that. Uh, my first uh, job was in um being the the a leader in a big web community, and this was this was before there was even a word for social media, and yet uh, I was in charge of uh, a group of like forty thousand people and uh, keeping them engaged. Um, and so before we even really had the mature techniques for engaging people in social media, uh, that was dropped into my lap. And and I've I've had a lot of other really good experiences. Uh, along the way, uh, pioneering things just because I, I happened to be the one who was available to do them, uh, and I was I was unafraid to to pick up a strange thing. So uh, all the way along, uh, I've been working on the web, and uh, that's what I'm doing now. I've uh, started with a startup in uh, Munich. We are a remote team, and. Uh, that is a really interesting thing right now, especially in a world uh, in which remote teams are a, a little more rare. I mean, it's becoming more common, but uh, it's still something that uh, raises eyebrows for people, I think. I would love to get back to kind yeah. of leadership also in the remote team um, later on. But I would love to start kind of what was in the beginning kind of your first experience with leadership, maybe to you in a yeah. good or bad sense, but yeah. kind of was the first experience you had there? Well, as a child, I... Uh, I mean, I acquired uh, stepbrothers and stepsisters later on, but uh, I was an only child initially, and I always envisioned myself as a leader. I was kind of a bossy little kid, uh, and so I envisioned myself as a leader uh, who was just lacking followers. And uh, so I I did a lot of, uh, you know, the things that you do as a leader, um, even before... I, I really had anyone to lead. I would say I was, I was playing leadership um, as, as a child, uh, creating organizations with you know, rule sets and 
uh, and, you know, training booklets and things like this. This is what I did, uh, you know, in preschool <laughs> in school. So uh, when I actually got out into the workforce, uh, leadership just seemed like a very natural thing to me. I, I wasn't really afraid of it. I was, I was, I just felt like, yes, it's, it's my time. <laughs> and so, uh, when I was able to manage, uh, my first staff, uh, that was, that was a really happy moment for me. That was, that was thrilling. And, uh, it felt right. Um, it felt like something that I'd always wanted to do. So, uh, it's, I would say that, uh, it was something that I was kind of mentally preparing for. Uh, for for quite a long time, I I'm not sure if that's a common experience, but but that that's my experience. Um, was your were your parents encouraging there, or did you have teachers and mentors or something that mm -hmm. while you're growing up kind of encouraged you to step up and take on this role? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I I of course had uh, great teachers. I had uh, you know a brownie scout troop leader that uh, that was inspiring. Uh, I had a lot of um, adults in my life who were very encouraging. And uh, and both of my parents uh, were, were very encouraging of all my uh, little endeavors and adventures um, and entrepreneurial things. Um, the And I think, I think that early encouragement uh, really does instill a lot of confidence. Uh, and, you know, maybe the, the kids who don't get that uh, probably lack a little bit of the confidence that I have. Yeah. And then going to your first leadership experience, yes. kind of what was that like when you finally sort of say... You find your place, but it was still like the first time officially, I yeah, guess, in that capacity yeah. doing it. How was that experience? Well, one of the things uh, about my personality is that I um, naturally don't like conflict. And that is something that I, I had to realize in my first leadership position is that you really have to embrace conflict and you have to um, manage it. And you have to uh, be comfortable with it because, uh, you know, conflict really is a part of, uh, it, well, it, it's a part of human relationships and human relationships are a part of management. And so I, I found that I was able to finally, I think over time, uh, avoid avoiding conflict, if that makes sense. Uh, I was able to uh, say, okay, this is uncomfortable but I have to do it. You know, I have to, I have to woman up to the task here and uh, address uh, conflict. And I found a way to be comfortable with that, which is uh, in honesty and uh, in trying to keep empathy for the other person and, and trying to uh, understand all of the, the situations involved in a conflict. Um, and so... I feel like that's something that I've gotten better at over time in the same way that I've gotten better at other leadership skills, but it's something you have to practice. You know, if, if, uh, if conflict is an issue for you, um, as a leader, you have to confront it. And, and so, you know, I think practicing it, looking for opportunities, if, if that makes sense, uh, to, uh, to manage conflict well is important. And, uh, And, and really seeing it as part of your role as a manager, I think is important. So kind of tying a little bit into that, mm -hmm. what would be the advice I would give somebody who's becoming uh, first leader, for maybe like their first day of school, so to say, yeah. first day leading a team, what would be kind of the one piece of advice you would give them on their way? 
I mean, I think first day on the team, uh, there needs to be a lot more listening than talking. Uh, I think that's that's key well, for any situation that you come into and you're fresh, right? And and I think that's especially key as a new leader. So, for example, if you come into a new team, you have um, you have people on your team that you are now managing. Uh, there are bound to be weird feelings there. People are bound to feel conflicted, even if they like you. Um, they are bound to feel a little uncomfortable with that. And and again, this is a, a great opportunity to uh, come to peace with uh, feeling uncomfortable. Um, and one of the ways to, to bridge that is to ask lots of questions. So that's, that's my approach is to really get into um, the subject areas uh, that the various uh, people at uh, at a company have um, and you know what are your days like and and creating uh, the understanding of, of who they are and what they do uh, and so that I, I feel like there's a great opportunity there to make sure that you're not assuming anything because you're, you're hearing it directly from the person uh, you you can understand okay well for example if I'm leading a design team um, understanding all of their processes as much as possible uh, and who's responsible for what. Uh, I won't make mistakes later on that are going to, you know, offend people or uh, or put people off because I've done the homework. Um, and so, I would say for the first couple of weeks, it's all uh, it's all learning, and you know, at least for a couple of weeks. And and then you know, after that, if you come to some some conclusions about the things that you've heard. Like if you see things that, for example, aren't working, it's it's really important to get the team on your side uh, before you uh, make sweeping changes, for example. So, so I think, you know, having a lot of uh, empathy for the the people in the team and their situation, and uh, an understanding that you're you're an outsider uh, is is really key and, and and trying to put yourself in their shoes and, and see um, what you mean to them. Uh, because for example, in the same way that uh, they're strangers to you, you're a stranger to them and and they need to they need to be able to trust you before you start making large changes, for example, in an organization. I'm sorry, that's a long-winded answer, but... Uh, no, but that's totally right. I think a lot of people get very excited about the fact mm-hmm. that they get to lead and to manage and often yeah. a little bit of gung-ho in the sense of, I'm going to do all these things yeah. right now. Yeah. And as I think the, the key point of listening before acting in, in those beginning stages, even if you're super excited to do things, is definitely Absolutely. I think you have to hold back. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and again, gaining trust is... Uh, part of gaining trust is, is really understanding uh, the people that you're, that you're working with. Now, something you said was really interesting when you mentioned that sometimes the people you're leading are maybe not that on board with you being yeah, in that position. Now. Absolutely. Um, and I think, unfortunately, especially in tech, there are a lot less women still. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> that we are hoping that will change, yeah. um, even more so in leadership positions. Yes. Did that ever impact kind of how your leadership career progressed or was created yeah. or your work experience? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I needed to realize, and, and this isn't, this isn't precisely related to tech because I think this could be any team, but um, one of the things to realize as a leader is that, uh, you know, not everybody's necessarily going to like you. Um, and that's okay. Uh, it was, again, something that 
I as a leader needed to feel comfortable with. Um, but if you are consistent and you communicate well and uh, you create trust over time, I mean, I think even even people that uh, were feeling, you know, not so much trust for you at the beginning uh, will, will come to respect you over time. And there is a difference between love and respect when it comes to leadership. Obviously, I would love it if everybody on the team loved me. Um, that's That would be great. But at, at minimum, everybody on the team uh, needs to respect uh, who I am and uh, and what I bring to the role and uh, and how I can assist them. Because that's really how I view myself as a manager is uh, as the umbrella over the team uh, that uh, keeps uh, keeps outside forces from uh, interrupting their work, uh, helps them to move forward with their work. And, uh, and so I, I see myself as a remover of obstacles and, uh, and again, the, the, the cover that, uh, that keeps them protected from, you know, sometimes there's uh, political forces and, and winds uh, up above uh, the people who are working on my team. And I would, I would rather, you know, protect them from that and make sure that they have everything that they need to move forward with what they need to do. Again, a long-winded answer, but I think um, the, the, the main point is that, you know, if you, if you come into a team, uh, it's, it's important just to make sure that your relationship with everybody is, is one that is respectful uh, in both directions. And I actually like the, the compression to umbrella because I think like an umbrella very often yeah. we don't think about it that much or necessarily yeah. love it at times, but then when we mm-hmm. need it, we're like super excited. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> I have this yeah. thing that's on exactly. my side and protecting me from other yeah. things. Exactly. Um, and a little bit segue into also a little bit of a love hate thing, which is finances. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you work at Supra, which is a financial yeah. Yeah. Um, company. And um, again, unfortunately, I'm going to say women in finance are not something that is necessarily always a love relationship. Um, I, I would agree with yeah. that. Yeah. And, and actually, that's one of the things that I'm really passionate about at this company. It's interesting because I, I, I myself don't come from a deep financial background, but I, I realized immediately when uh, I saw our product and that it's well, so it, what it is, is it's a, a financial tool, uh, an aggregator of your accounts that helps uh, you to understand your finances and, and helps you to uh, improve your financial health over time, which when, when I saw that uh, that's what we were going to be building, um, I, I was really excited about that because it's something that, when I talk to women, especially women, um, you know, I think there are more men who are like, oh yeah, personal finance, yes. Um, I, I, I find that I, there are fewer women who say, uh, say that and, and have that enthusiasm about finance. And I think, I think there's a parallel between power and finance. So when you think about uh, what you can do in the world, uh, anything that you, you want um, to build a business, to uh, if you want to, to be a VC and you want to invest in other people's businesses, if you want to, uh, you know, even be a mentor or a teacher, uh, you need enough money to, to finance uh, these activities. And, and so money, money is power. And, and in the same way that I see a lot of women kind of shirking away from uh, leadership roles, uh, 
I, I, I see them kind of saying, uh, finance, I just, I, I, uh, I just don't want to deal with it. Uh, and so, for example, uh, I, I have hired women and men for the same role sometimes. And, and it's interesting to see when the candidates come in, uh, how the men will almost always negotiate for the position uh, and, and the, the compensation. And the women often don't even think about it. And, and men like will see these opportunities where, where women don't now, you know, I've asked later, like, why didn't you negotiate? Why, why wasn't, why wasn't that a conversation that we had? And the answer was, oh, I didn't think about it. Or, you know, it didn't occur to me or it, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing makes me uncomfortable. But unfortunately it's, it's, something that is creating uh, pay gaps in the world. I mean, there, everybody knows that there are other things that create pay gaps between men and women, but uh, women not being forceful enough about asking for promotions, asking for raises, negotiating within uh, interviews is, is something else that creates these wealth gaps over time, which I think are, are awful for um, women who want to want to do things with their lives because again, you need money to do those things. So I think, I think power and money are really tied together and I would love to see more women practicing, uh, both, you know, seeing power and, and taking it when those opportunities present themselves and, and also uh, seeing where money is an opportunity and grabbing onto that. Uh, because I, I think women will, I think women will get excited about like saving money on a purchase, but the big things, investments and again, promotions and uh, the, the larger financial matters, I, I think a lot of women I see in my life at least are, are not taking advantage of those things. Absolutely. And I think um, what I've noticed a lot is leadership comes into play here where you can on the one side lead by example so mm -hmm. if you're very transparent with that fact yeah. even with your like colleagues on the same level you say like hey i'm gonna negotiate my salary if you just say that you don't even have to go into the details of yeah. how much and stuff like that because a lot of people still don't want that or can't yeah. but you could definitely mention it and it's like hey oh that person is doing that maybe yeah. i should think about that maybe i should think about that i mean and i was really lucky um, one of my um very powerful aunts uh, pointed out to me uh, the power of negotiation when I was very young in my career. And she said, well, of course, you'll be negotiating for this, you know, uh, as you go into uh, this new role. And I said, you know, I, I hadn't thought about that. And, and that, that made a big impression on me. Uh, and, and she did kind of a little bit of negotiation rehearsal with me. And that helped a lot. I mean, just uh, having... In, in the same way, I would say, um, I have had experiences where somebody would say, hey, why don't you take on this greater role? Uh, and, and they would ask me about that. And I would say, you know, it had not occurred to me to, to take on this greater role, but you're right. I guess I, guess I am qualified for it. Um, the, the asking for money and the asking for power, I, I think there's a lot of parallels there. Absolutely. And so that I luckily also had a mom who coached me in the beginning and I remember... Which is so essential. Yeah. You, you just need somebody. Yeah. Somebody to be on your side. 
And yeah. and the thing is, like, I, I also like the idea of always leading up. And um, mm-hmm. this was, I had a boss who then told me it was a fairly junior position that I negotiated in the beginning. Yes. And she later told me it stressed me out because I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. But actually, in retrospect, I was like, I respect you more for having yes. done that. Absolutely. So it's not a negative. It's not if yeah. you negotiate, people will, like, you'll yeah. enter into a job with, like, a bad feeling or anything. No, people no, no, don't no. see that, that as well. But women have that feeling, like, oh, I don't want to, like, upset people or cause problems or, like, do but, all these things that they attach emotions yes, to something I, that shouldn't be emotional. As a manager, you know, it's when I see somebody negotiating, I think, okay, this is somebody who, once they're on my team, is going to negotiate on our behalf for the business. You know, this is a person who is savvy. Uh, and I think that that's really important for, uh, you know, for, for anybody who has a problem with negotiation, but I think especially for women, it's like, this is not something to be ashamed of. This is something to be proud of that you were working on a better deal for yourself, you know, and, and it just makes you look like a, a savvy business person. So uh, yeah, practice that, go, go out there and get that. Absolutely. Um, and then kind of tying in with that, you said you, there was like, these key learnings you had yeah. over a career. How has maybe your leadership style evolved over from the mm. very beginning when you had that team to now yeah. that you've had a, a lot more years yeah, of leadership yeah. in between? I mean, I think the biggest thing is confidence. And I would say that as a leader, uh, confidence is really, really important. Uh, and when I had my first leadership roles, I, I would say that I had a lot more I was a lot more timid, uh, but I I am less afraid, uh, you know, as, as I go um, through the years, I am less afraid of, again, uh, being seen as a bitch, <laughs> to be fair. Um, I am less afraid now of, uh, of being seen as a powerful person in a business, and I think I was initially a little bit afraid of that. Uh, like looking like I was too ambitious. I think, I think that's a negative word that, um, that, you know, when you say ambitious and you're a man, it's like, oh, that's, that's nice. And you say ambitious and it's about a woman, you know, something about that feels a little bit negative. Um, and so, uh, just being, being confident, being ambitious and, uh, being also, uh, more level-headed, I think, about conflict. And and so I've, I've touched on these things a little bit uh, as we've talked, but uh, those, are, those are, are a few things that I think are essential for leadership and, and things that you just have to develop over time because you don't come out of the box uh, with those experiences. Those are things that, that uh, you, you build up over the years um, with practice, I think. Absolutely. And uh, unfortunately, the psychology supports you in the sense that gender does impact how we see things. I yep. think there was a very interesting study where there was just a text description of somebody's, basically somebody's biography, a fictional person. Yeah. The story was exactly the same, but they just changed the gender. Yeah. And then we're asking yeah. participants, how would you describe that person? And of course, the male perspective was, oh, ambitious and strong and powerful and like, yeah. you know, and then the women Go like, get her. Yeah, she's like, yeah. good, but you know, kind of cold and, you know, and like, bitch, yeah, it's like, you get to leave these other words. And I think it's, important on the one side to of course do something about it but on the other side yeah. also not put everything on yourself yeah not say this is all my fault or this is my fault. So, like sometimes there's things you just have to yeah. let go and absolutely be okay with being that way you know i had a i had one supervisor who was you know it was a little disturbing how honest he was but you know he would he would say things to me like 
well, you know, as a leader, you have to you have to dress a little nicer, you know. So so it's like okay, you know that that's good feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I appreciate that because you know that's and I think that's a classic piece of of uh, leadership advice is like dress for the the role that you don't have yet, the one that you want, um, and and. He would also uh, say things like, well, as a woman, you're going to have a harder time delivering uh, this kind of news to people or uh, or stepping into this kind of a role. Um, and he was right. I mean, like some of the stuff he said uh, came off as, you know, maybe kind of classist or sexist. But at the same time, uh, it was really good to get the blunt honesty of that because it's you know, regardless of whether you think it's fair or not, it is what a lot of people are thinking and feeling. And so to to hear those things and to hear uh, that, you know, just because I'm a woman, I'm expected to look a certain way or deliver uh, a communication in a certain way. It's like you, you kind of, I think, have to at least acknowledge that that exists, whether, whether you want to take the advice or not. Um, you know, I think that's up to you. But uh, I... I was appreciative of just hearing the perspective, you know, um, and and getting that that his honest opinion that like, um, you know, what, for example, when I said, so what's it going to take for me to step up into a VP role at this company? And first he laughed. <laughs> he just <laughs> laughed in my face. And, and then he said, well... I think it's going to be a challenge, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, he talked about the various biases at the company and, and he was right. I mean, he was absolutely right that a, uh, the various members of, of upper management had uh, a whole basket full of biases, uh, and, uh, and, and B also, you know, he acknowledged that, you know, there, there was no reason why I, I couldn't get there, but he, he was very clear about, you know, I think you can get to a VP role, but I think you're not going to get there at this company. And and I thought, yeah, okay, that's that's hard, but it's honest. And it's also better, you know, yeah. earlier than later. Otherwise, you're fighting yeah. and fighting and not getting yeah. anywhere. And you're yeah, like, you know, why? again, glass ceiling. You know, uh, <laughs> and 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 why? Uh, and so, being able to you know ask really blunt questions and get really blunt answers, even if they weren't the answers that I wanted. Um, was useful, was useful. And, you know, at that company, um, I didn't become a VP. Uh, but I, I did see uh, that he was right, that, you know, I wasn't going to change that organization. Um, I needed to move to a different organization. So uh, that, that was really valuable. Definitely. Yeah. And um, I think what you said earlier is, is kind of connects to the old adage of you have to know the rules to break them. Mm-hmm. As you said, you can be intentional yep. about saying, okay, that's what people expect and want, yes. and I'm not going to do it. Yeah. But the, that the intentional part is the important part. Yes. If you're just doing things because you don't you don't understand because the you system, don't understand. then, yeah. Yeah. then exactly. you're not having the effect that you want to have. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I think, too, that, like, the larger a company becomes, um, the more... Uh, it's almost like theater. The more the more like people uh, dress for a role, for example, versus in a small company where there's a lot more uh, of an egalitarian uh, kind of uh, an operation, just because you know you're only a group of maybe ten people. Um, versus, yeah, you you get into a large organization. A lot of people don't 
know who you are or what you do or what your skills are. And so they're, they're just judging you based on whatever package you're projecting, which, you know, it's, again, it's unfortunate, but it's human. It's, it's, and I think it's important to, to acknowledge that, you know, sometimes that stuff is just unfair and it sucks. And it's important to know what those rules are, as you said. Yeah. And I think self-awareness can also help you leverage things that you would maybe off the bat think is a negative, but maybe turn them around and actually use them to your benefit. Absolutely. Knowledge is power. And kind of connecting to knowledge is power, what was kind of your biggest learning moment or, and, or as well, your biggest success? Maybe those go hand in hand or maybe they're two different things. Right, right. I mean, the, I think, I think learning moments have come all the way along, which, which is something that is, is wonderful about uh, growing in your career. Uh, And, 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 as long as you're learning, uh, you know that you're continuing to take risks. And so, I mean, from, from the standpoint of, um, of making a big mistake and learning from it, I would say that one of the biggest mistakes I've made in my career was, okay, I got to set up this situation. Uh, I was at a company, um, the, there were kind of two paths to go down. One of the paths was to uh, hire an external team to do a task that was pretty critical for the company or to hire and train in and, uh, and uh, onboard a brand new team to do this task. I, I think I chose the wrong path there. And the path was uh, that I chose was, okay, let's take the fast approach. We will hire uh, an external team And I would never do that again. If it's critical to the company, you have an internal team do it. Uh, If it's, if it's non-critical, if it's, you know, you, you can have somebody external, maybe do your PR or something. But for example, if you're a technology company, your technology is internal. Um, And so I would never do that again. Uh, And I I saw the the flaws in that process and, and the, the incentives were all wrong. And, uh, and I made a bad call on that, uh, and, and I learned from it and, and I've taken that, that lesson forward with me. But yeah, that, it, it, is, it is a big expensive decision and it's completely embarrassing when, when it kind of falls flat, right? So Yeah, but that was one of those moments you learn in the moment. And I think the lesson I could have is we all want yeah. fast, but sometimes yeah. slow, but for sure. Yes, a little bit slow of a and high quality. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But what would you count on the flip side of your biggest success? Is there a moment where you truly felt like as a leader, I did something good or I, I, maybe I helped somebody or I mm-hmm. built something or what was, what you was know, something like I that? think, you know, it, it, it's weird. I think, I think that my biggest successes are things that have been kind of subtly indicated. Um, and so for example, I was on vacation in Japan and I got a note from somebody who was a, previous employee, former employee uh, of mine, uh, former uh, manager, um, he, he wanted some career advice. And, and I said, okay, um, I've got, you know, an hour to give you, I'm going to be in this train station at this time. I will, I will call you up. And, uh, and so we talked about, you know, his position at the company, his career, uh, what I thought his next step should be and how he should manage that. And after, you know, after I had the conversation with him, he, he sent me a long thank you note a couple of months later, uh, talking about uh, what a difference that made uh, to him in his career and his life. 
and it it made me realize that uh, as a manager, you can have such a wonderful impact on people's lives for a long period of time. Uh, you can you can you can literally change people's lives, and and I think that. I've had an ability to do that for a lot of people at a lot of points, but it wasn't until, you know, I had that phone call and I realized, oh, you know, he, he's reaching out to me. Like, even even though he, I'm not his manager anymore, he, he still has that trust for me and he, he still is getting value from me as a leader. And I think that was kind of emblematic for me of what a leader can do. Um, and I felt very proud. Perfect. And I want to tie back into something we talked about in the beginning, then mm. how being a leader in a remote team, how does that change the interactions? Your, how do you, has it impacted your leadership style? I assume it yeah. has. Yeah. I, as a leader in a remote team, I would say that communication is all the more tricky. And so, you know, any kind of, any kind of leadership, any kind of management is, is communication. Uh, and, in-person communication is always better. So as, as a remote team, you have a lot less of that. Uh, I, I have found that it's important to hire people who are already good prospects for a remote situation. So for example, people who are exuberant and uh, extroverted, um, aren't as good in a remote situation. They, 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 they tend to be like flowers taken away from the sunshine, you know, uh, and people who tend to be introverted, uh, uh, do tend to be, I think, better as remote workers just because they are used to more structured, uh, conversations. So uh, the biggest challenge I would say is a in hiring and, uh, B in, in ongoing communication. So particularly those moments uh, where you have conflict or you need to do kind of a performance review with somebody, you know, potentially really sticky topics, again, coming back to conflict, and also those moments of change in a company, uh, again, potential conflict moments, but those are emotionally charged. And so you can get on the phone with people and that helps a lot. Um, I still don't think it's as good as being in person. And so I would say that as a remote team, uh, you have to really go the extra mile in making sure that people are as comfortable as they, they possibly can be, especially in those, uh, those conflict uh, moments. I mean, for the day-to-day, -day, it's fine because uh, everything's very project-based. Uh, you you have to make sure that there's a lot of trust across the organization and that uh, that everybody understands what they're doing. Those are all kind of table stakes. Those are basics. Um, but it's those it's those special moments where it's like, wow, it really would be great if we could just take a walk together or get a cup of coffee together. Um, and you know, with a remote team, that's just not always possible. 
Yeah, and I imagine it's also hard to come back from those situations when you don't have the sitting next to each other and then the day continues and you still yes. get to have some sort of interaction or maybe some lightening of yes. it when you just have this tough conversation yes. hang up and then that's it whether you have yeah. until the next yeah I mean we, we do use a lot of gifts and emojis you <laughs> love know, the gifts <laughs> I mean and they, they do convey some emotional content but still I mean it's you, I, I think it's, it's, it's really important to um, n- not read uh, anything negative into people's statements, if at all possible. You know, always look at any statement that a person writes uh, in the most positive light that you can possibly give it, and give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, clarify over the phone, but those are those are just little things that um, are great for people in any organization size, but especially important when the person is is a remote employee. Absolutely. Yeah. Those was really great to wrap up some very last few questions to give our listeners kind of some action advice, what they can do. If you would say, what are the three main things you think a, a, a leader should focus on? If I'm saying like, okay, I want to become a good leader or I'm yeah. aspiring to, what are the three things I should really focus on? Well, I mean, we've, we have kind of talked through some of my major, major themes <laughs> during this conversation, but I think that, uh, you, you can really, you can practice confidence um, and you might not always feel confidence, um, but if you are projecting confidence and you are practicing confidence, then it will come to you. Uh, so uh, that that is the first thing that, that I would say to, to anybody, you know, for example, starting their first management role. Uh, because the, it really is soothing to people. People don't want to see you coming in and uh, being a basket of nerves, right? If if you are projecting confidence, then you're you're helping people to feel calm. Uh, secondly, um, I would say embracing conflict. I mean, because it's it's a part of the job. It's it's a part of being a grown up. And uh, again, this is something that you can practice. Uh, I encourage people to uh, do role play uh, with friends, uh, for example. Um, yeah, I, I actually had a a business class at one point in which we practiced uh, firing people. Um, and this is this is a really key moment in your life as a manager is how do you manage somebody who's not doing well in the position? So you can kind of role play that and practice it. And, and I think um, that is, uh, that, that, that's part of what uh, makes a good manager from a bad manager is, is dealing well with conflict. And, uh, you know, third, I would say, uh, listening. I, I've done a lot of talking throughout this, uh, throughout this interview, but I do, I do really prefer to, to listen and really try and understand uh, who I'm talking to and what the perspective is. Uh, and, and again, putting myself in, in their shoes and understanding their situation. I think, you know, as a leader, uh, you, you can't do anything for a person if you, you don't understand where they're coming from. Absolutely. I think uh, confidence, practice, and listening is a good yeah. three trifecta of, of things to focus on. Yeah. Um, if you, is there a resource, a book, a movie, something mm. that you've had that thought like, oh, this is really good content or that kind of gave you a light bulb moment or anything like that, that you would recommend? Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that seeking out actual physical mentors is, is a really good uh, practice. So, I mean, you know, certainly there are inspiring movies and things, but uh, nothing has helped me as much as um, having both 
good uh, bosses and managers and bad bosses and managers and kind of evaluating them and, and saying like, what, how, how does this affect me? You know, uh, what do I feel when they do uh, this or that? Um, so uh, unfortunately, um, I would say that I'm, I'm kind of short on uh, media recommendations, but uh, just being a good observer of life, I think, is, uh, is one of the best recommendations I can make because, uh, you know, it's all out there. Even a bad manager can be a great lesson uh, in what you don't want uh, to be when, when you're a manager. I actually think that is a, it is a resource because nowadays there are so many meetups and events yeah. you can attend to meet those mentors. Yes. Maybe as a backstory to listeners, we actually met by being at two events in the same week by absolutely. accident. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's how we connected. So absolutely just going out to events to, yeah. to or, or even if it's organized mentorship or yes. leadership, it's not bad just because somebody else does it. No. People think of this image that it has to occur naturally. You're magically going to find no, somebody. No, you, can, you can go out after. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So that's so. absolutely resource. Mm -hmm. um, so is there maybe a one piece of parting advice statement, mm. anything you would like to give uh, listeners? Well, you know, especially because we're talking about women in leadership, uh, I, um, I always recommend to, to women in leadership or who, who aspire to, to leadership roles or even the ones who don't, uh, that you, you really have to open your eyes and look for those things because, um, I think a lot of women are, you know, just become content in, in doing what it is that they're doing and they're not looking at that. What's the next step? What is the next three years? What is the next five years? And and certainly in your organization, if there's any kind of uh, of shakeup in the organization, uh, there's an opportunity there for you. So uh, really keep your eyes and your ears open for that because uh, those are those are your moments. Those are those are the time when you step in and you ask for it. Uh, because if you don't, I mean the there's a chance that somebody in the organization is going to see that you're a star, that you are so capable, but there's a better chance that everybody's too busy to notice how wonderful you are. Um, and so I, I think that it's, it's really important to, to work really hard on making your own success. And Absolutely. Yeah. Make your own success. I think that's a great parting advice. Thanks so much for taking the time to meet and talk. And I think My people pleasure. will have a lot of great insights to get from this. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in. I hope today's episode helped you unleash the baddest boss within you. Find the link to the show notes with all key takeaways and more on today's guest in the episode description. Love this episode? Head on over to iTunes or SoundCloud to subscribe and never worry about missing an inspiring interview again. Until next time.